0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Glorious Rugby Podcast. I am your co-host, John Fitzpatrick, and joining me for each and every episode is Alistair Kirschpool, a.k.p. What is going on, man?
1: Not too much enjoying a relaxing off season, getting to have weekends that are, are empty. It's the sort of thing that you get to enjoy for a few weeks, and then eventually you start thinking, uh, it's time for rugby again. I'm done with this off-season stuff, but we're not at that point yet. I'm still at the enjoying having some time for other things phase.
0: That's great. That's fantastic. And, I mean, look, it was a busy weekend in rugby. Even if there was an MLR action, we'll get get into all of that in just a moment. But you're right. It does feel weird. you know, After having MLR in our lives for, what, 18 straight weekends here... You know, i kind of starting to get that itch, you know what I mean? Like, hey, where's that All-Star game? Not nope, not happening. Hey, the collegiate draft's around the corner. All right, man, I watched the collegiate rugby shield, you know, last, um, you know, last week just because of that MLR tie there. So, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling the itch. So, uh, MLR, come back.
1: <laughs> I tried watching the collegiate rugby shield, but I couldn't find it on TRN.
0: What was it? Well, it was FS1 on uh, the first day, and then the next day the replay was on the rugby network. So.
1: Yeah, but I did they take the replay down? Cause I can't find the replay. I I tried looking it up, and I found I found it, and I started watching it, and then I realized it was actually last year's replay, and I was like, that's not right. Hang on. I couldn't find this year's, so I'll have to find it, cause I'm interested in it for draft reasons. I don't know that we've ever drafted anyone out of the collegiate rugby shield. I feel like it tends to be West Coast guys who go over there and we tend to get guys who come from East Coast schools It because t- we tend to have a relationship with guys before we draft them and then and so it, we don't I don't think we tend to have many guys at the the rugby shield, but it's it's still a cool event.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I use it for my quote-unquote research when I, uh, the last two years for Rugby Morning, I've done a mock draft, NFL draft style, for the, the whole entire draft, so three rounds. Um, in year one, I got one pick right. In year two, so last year, I got two picks right out of, what is it? what was that, 38, 36, 39 picks, whatever that was. So I'm hoping I can, it helped that Sam Gala was basically the going to go number one and everyone kind of knew it so that helped so i'm hoping for this year i can at least get three rights i've had a few where i've gotten like i've gotten the team kind of the position that it's just you know it's fun like it's extremely hard to to do a mock draft but i'm willing to do it again so i'm excited for it so that's around the corner that'll be in august maybe we'll do a little uh little draft special for old glory dc breakdown some some players they should watch and some positions so we'll, we'll get to that in a second but you know, if you weren't like AKP and you're still watching rugby this weekend, there was a ton to watch, and we'll go over it briefly. But I mean, it seemed seemingly every single USA <laughs> rugby pathway was in action, which was really cool to see. That you had the let's start with the USA women's Eagles. AKP, I don't know if you saw that match against New Zealand, but at halftime they had a 17 to 5 lead over the black ferns
1: wild impressive i watched the first half of that game which uh, or the the good half of that game um, and then yeah and but i've read up on it afterwards they kept that lead until something like the 60th minute so 3 quarters of that game they were in the lead and that is impressive i mean it's one of those things that goes to show that yeah, they're going to be going into this tier two of the WXV when it, it starts up, but they really do have the capacity to compete with those top teams. I don't think they're there yet. I think they still need to figure out who they are and what they want to be, how they want to play, what suits them, But uh, but they're starting to figure it out. That first half, they really took it to New Zealand, and they really knew how they wanted to play, and... And played well.
0: I think it was an interesting mix of, of bringing in some, some fresh faces you know and, and including the veterans um, so a lot to to be excited for given that you know I think they were disappointed with their performance against um, Australia the week before but I think the WXV competition more meaningful games Um, that competition starts in South Africa in October so September and October are going to be really busy for some high-level international rugby which is going to be fun to watch and I'm looking forward to it but hey keep moving down the pathway quickly jump it over the men's side USA men's U20 so they're in the World Rugby U20 trophy which is basically the step down from the men's U20 championship so basically um, the high-level competition excluding, you know, like France and South Africa and New Zealand and all that stuff, right? This competition hasn't happened, and I think. The last time they played was 2019 because of the COVID years. Um, So USA's first action in it, they unfortunately came up short against Uruguay. They lost, was that, 33-31. But in watching and some of the recaps, sounds like they beat themselves more than anything. They got out to a slow start. And then they clawed their way back uh, into it, had the lead there, but then kind of some, some penalties and mistakes, and Uruguay was able to squeak it out there. But uh, their next match is Thursday against Scotland, but AKP, I think he had a thought there.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, Uruguay, or the USA men's losing to Uruguay when they could have won. Not a story we've ever heard before. <laughs> that does not bring back any painful memories whatsoever.
0: So on a related note, I think I saw it yesterday on Twitter, and I was trying to avoid it, but it was the one-year anniversary of the USA's uh, loss to Chile uh, in the the qualification, you know, that home-and-away series down there, that one that was the rained-out monsoon, and the lights went out all of a sudden. Yeah, nothing nothing shady going on there, but yeah, that happened just a couple days ago. Well yeah, we're trying to repress those memories. <laughs> moving on, moving a little bit younger down the the pathway in the age grade, he had the men's U18. They were out in the Netherlands for their summer tour. They finished 2 and 1 there. They had a draw against Canada, but you know, they they beat Netherlands. I think they beat the other team they beat was Belgium. So hey, look, anytime we can get some wins out there and it sounds like there were a couple players that were really impressed. Really cool to see. And last but not least, the USA men's Eagles, they started their camp on Sunday for their three-match tour in August. They're playing Portugal or Romania, and I believe it's Georgia. So um, we'll keep tracking that, and there's a couple of USA Men's Eagles that are running around in camp there. AKP, any thoughts on all of that?
1: Yeah, well, just a quick shout-out to Hayden McKay, who's a player for Young Glory, who is has been called up to, I think it's the U20 group. Cool to have some Young Glory representation out there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I forgot about him, so I'm gonna have to make sure I track him some more. But uh, hey, anytime we can bring up an old Glory DC player somewhere in the program, we got to do it. Thanks to AKP, he's got the knowledge on, on all that stuff.
1: Yeah, someone to keep uh, your eye on. Maybe maybe he'll end up on the senior squad.
0: Hey AKP, I wanted to move over to some old Glory DC news because even though it's the off season and then, you know there's some, some player movement stuff, guys are going to NPC. We'll we'll, we'll talk about some of that old glory dc made a hiring announcement here in their front office fill us in give us a little insight on what dc did and what the what the move means
1: yeah so they hired robin remick who is she's a sort of sports marketing professional she spent 12 years at espn um, doing marketing roles and then Spent several years running the Wild World of Sports complex, which I had never heard of, but is apparently a pretty big deal. Um, and that's a fairly size, notably a fairly sizable operation, and an in person like it involves managing people coming in person to a a venue and and putting on programming and that sort of stuff. And then after that, she spent five years with um, Black Bear which who managing junior hockey teams in maryland um so she's sort of just outside the the what you'd consider the dc metro area so her experience is is interesting because it's it's very specific to managing events managing live events and um, specifically managing sports teams and managing niche sports teams, which Old Glory still is, you know, managing, getting people to come out to junior hockey events. I imagine is is not the easiest thing in the world. You've got a bit more name recognition on the sport, but you're also not the highest level of the sport. So um, that's all of that. Experience is, is very interesting and will, is a very different is very different from Marcella Blanco, who she's taking over for, which I probably should have started with. She's been hired as the business manager, so her job is going to be marketing, PR. She's going to be sort of the one we interact with directly as fans, um, and she's going to to be handling the the sort of business, the day-to-day business of the team. Which is the stuff that Marcelo Blanco has been handling, and he's still he's, around. He's still sticking around. He's just um, doing the things that. Uh, this is just my guess. I haven't talked to him or anything, but he's doing the things that he always wanted to do in the first place. I think um, he's going to be. He's still going to be involved in scouting players from South America. He's still going to be involved with contracts and with. Um, just broader larger scale financial stuff for the the team which honestly that's his that's his area of expertise i mean he's a finance guy and he's a a rugby guy so those two things are i think really the areas of his strength and then we're getting someone who's more probably going to be a or more focused on the day-to-day running of a team and more focused on like actually putting together a good experience and that sort of stuff. So I'm pretty excited for this change. I think it's it's the sort of thing that is very... Like, we're very into the weeds of running a sports team here. This is, you know, harder. Probably harder for fans to envision what this change looks like. You're probably not going to see the effects of it immediately. But it's just another step in that process of making Old Glory a, a real business, a proper functional business rather than you know being just a a couple of local dudes setting up a, a pro team because they want to see it happen
0: you know and you know some other key takeaways from this move which i think is awesome one the, the fact that robin has got experience running a niche sport so can understand the challenges that come with marketing a sport getting people to come out to thing um i think is 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 great but you know this this announcement, and then a couple of weeks ago, right when Old Glory DC announced that they were bringing in some more minority owners, with a, a, an array of experience from 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 live sports to being a member of a you know a, a top band in Earth, Wind, and Fire to a um, you know someone who's got experience um, a minority stake in the Washington Nationals, like all of that stuff is very fascinating and interesting, and I got to think as an Old Glory DC fan you would be pleased that you're continuing to see more investment in the sport and in the team and that others feel like that oaklory dc and major league rugby is an attractive property to want to come join and be a part of that growth so you know i'm all very excited for it you know again like you said it might not be the sexiest flashiest you know signing but it's like hey we gotta fill up not only to improve the the product on the field, but also in in the business office. How can we grow this business so this is sustainable? How can we get more people out there? Hey, how can we build that festival like experience that other teams, particularly New England, seem to be doing so well? And again, they're not. It's not like they created that. It's what everyone other markets are trying to do. Old Glory DC may just be a little further behind on that. So, I'm excited for this. I think it's a really exciting news. And the good thing is the season just ended, so she's. Got all of the off season to build up into the next season. So, you know, wherever Old Glory DC is playing, whether they're staying at Sega or going somewhere else, it's going to be fun to see what some of these new changes are. So,
1: yeah, and obviously, there's only so much she's going to be able to do while while we still play so far away from DC proper. I mean, even if they move to the soccerplex, that's still Gaithersburg, but still a long way out. So, but she's should do a good job of setting us up for the future. And when we do eventually move somewhere within the beltway, more accessible for people, she should be a great find for us there.
0: Yeah. And look, if we could still have Marcelo around finding us the next Tito Diaz Bonilla, finding us the next yeah. Taro Bavaro, you know, finding us the next whomever. And that if that is his strength and that frees up more time for him to go and do that, then absolutely let's go. <laughs> yeah.
1: Absolutely.
0: Awesome. Good stuff. Because, you know, speaking of the Argentine influence here, and maybe this is the perfect segue for it, but, you know, I think this, in hindsight, it seems pretty obvious, but the Miami Sharks, who are the new expansion team, are coming to MLR, they're going to start playing in 2024, their stadium's still TBD, they announced that they are going to be joining the Eastern Conference again. Why would you put Miami in the Western Conference? That doesn't make very much sense. Uh, I think so. We all kind of knew that Miami was going to be there. But, again, it just solidifies the notion that, again, it's going to be an unbalanced schedule, right? We're going to have, as as of now, there's only 13 teams. Do you foresee AKP MLR making another announcement where there's going to be a 14th team joining for the 2024 season? And would it go in the West? What do you think?
1: I mean, I haven't heard any rumors to that effect, but I, it wouldn't surprise me either if they if they figured something out. But I mean, I think LA might be the the most likely to to get back up and running because there's some maybe some infrastructure around for that, but and there do seem to be interested buyers. But yeah, I don't. I think we're probably just going to have to live with a season of of unbalanced teams. And it's interesting that this time it's going to be the Eastern Conference that has an extra team where last time we had unbalanced conferences, it was the Western Conference that had an extra team. And that led to us playing Toronto three times in 2021.
0: So that'll be interesting to track, right? Because certainly Toronto's going to want to improve their team. They won one game last year. Miami's coming in as an expansion, and we'll get more details about what that dispersal, you know, the expansion draft looks like. Seemingly, you can't, and you know, just on track record, you can't anticipate that Miami's just going to come out of the gate and start winning a bunch of games. I think a lot of people thought that was going to happen with Chicago, but it didn't. You know, so now we've got, you know, again, more teams in the Eastern Conference fighting for playoff spots, but seemingly, I mean, I hate to say it, but like, if you're Oakley, DC, DI, that as a, hey, this is an opportunity to get two wins here. Maybe three, if they play them three times. I don't know.
1: It's an interesting thing where you look at the expansion teams that have have come in on in the past, and it's sort of a mixed bag. You get a bunch of them that have come out of the gate and been sort of dead average. You've gotten a couple of them, Chicago and Dallas, that have come in and been you know, had really bad seasons their first seasons. I mean, no one worse than Dallas. And then you've also had teams, LA came in and just instantly one of the best teams in the league. So it's going to be interesting to see where Miami falls. Are they going to be near the top, near the bottom? It's impossible to say. And I feel like it hasn't been easy to predict who is going to collapse and who isn't. I mean, you look at LA looked sort of like it was going to be pretty good from the beginning, but then so did Chicago and they ended up bad. So I don't think it's, I don't think we can necessarily tell until we get there, who's going to be good, who's going to be bad.
0: Yeah. AKP. I mean, I think you're right there. I was getting a little ahead of myself. Um, We need to pump the brakes. Stop talking about lining up wins already when the season just ended last week. But, um, Hey, There were some fun uh, announcements that Old Glory DC put out uh, last week that I felt like we should cover here, and that was some player honors. Now I do want to note here, these player honors were player voted. That much we know, we saw that on Twitter, we don't exactly know how the vote went down, but we know that it was player voted. So uh, first I want to start with rookie of the year, and this has got to be no surprise, right? Colin Gross was voted rookie of the year for Old Glory DC. Your thoughts on that?
1: I mean, who else was it going to be? Cali Martinez had a had a decent rookie year, but I mean, <laughs> Colin Gross played every game for us, I think. Um 18 games this year and ridiculous number of minutes, ton of tackles. I mean, could you ask a score to try within seconds of getting on the pitch? Seconds of his M.L.R. debut. I mean, you can't argue with that. So,
0: yeah, one hundred percent. That was. I was going to bring that up too. I think it was his very first touch of the ball in Major League Rugby. He scored a try, and he's also the answer for a trivia question: Who was the first player to score against the Chicago Hounds? Colin Gross. So there you go. Uh, yes. Moving on, the back of the year, as voted on by the players, was. Our boy, William Talataina, he's my favorite player on Old Glory DC. He won back of the year. The guy seemingly, I didn't know why he didn't play the first two, three games of the season, but that was so long ago. But since then, he was a starter from, from round four on, basically, essentially playing 80 minutes every single game. One of the team leaders in tries, seemingly when backs had to be at the ruck, he was there pushing scrum halves over unnecessarily when it did need to happen. My favorite moment, William Talatayina, Gloria <laughs> D.C.'s player voted back of the year. AKP, your thoughts on that?
1: I mean, he's a, he's a great player, always been one of my favorites. He's just such a, a hard worker, and I think that's a, a theme you're going to see here is that The guys who've made it into the player voted um, honors—they're the players who have who've put in a lot of hard work, who are just sort of always there. And like you say, Talatayin is almost as much a flanker as he is a center. Sometimes the way he plays, he scored a few tries in absolute forward fashion, just taking the ball right off the ruck and and just smashing his way through, always willing to ruck and to counter ruck and. It's. I think it's. It's not a surprise that the the players appreciate him.
0: Absolutely, and then moving on, the Ford of the year. So jemison Fanano Schultz was voted the by the players to be Ford of the year. A player who was voted by the players as captain, uh, going into this season, a guy who probably played hurt for about a hundred percent. Of this season, and certainly most likely, yes, that was the case toward you know down the stretch coming off of you know a very intense final qualification tournament for USA Men's Eagles where I thought he played particularly well. But um, you know, Jamma won, uh, was voted as forward of the year. 100% agree, AKP, your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I mean, what a turnaround from him, too, uh, going from last year dealing with. Multiple suspensions for, you know, letting the the game get to his head a bit, and then this year voted captain. Now forward of the year for the team, and it really just an excellent player.
0: So that all leads up to then, who Old Glory DC voted as the player of the year. Now his stats were good and impressive, but I think. The reason why he won the award is for all the little things that maybe doesn't quite show up in the stat sheet or that you don't quite see from the narrow view of wherever you're watching from the Rugby Network or FS1. But uh, Letaro Bavaro <clears throat> excuse me, won Player of the Year as voted on by the Players AKP. What do you have to say about this guy?
1: I think, it's, I think it's the right call. I mean, he, like you say, just does all those little things really well. And when you're a player when you're a fan, you you like watching guys score tries, and you you look at someone like Jamma just smashing through people, and you're like, yeah, that, that guy's great. But Bavaro didn't do that quite as often, but he is just one of those players who's in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing all the time, and manages to change the way the game is going a lot. And I think that when you're a player and you're there i think they all got posi- their games got positively impacted by bavaro in a way that um, no other player did as consistently as him and he again another impressive player out of argentina doesn't speak a whole ton of english according to <laughs> what we've heard but you know just quietly <laughs> gets on with the job
0: absolutely so congrats him and i'm hopeful he will be back next season i guess
1: yeah let's hope so
0: yeah fingers crossed um we'll see but you know that wasn't the only uh voting that was taking place for end of the season honors akp there was there was also the the facebook group that asked the fans to vote on their best player and i think there were a couple of other spots fill us in on what was going on there
1: yeah and this is an interesting list, and it's interesting to see how this list is uh, different to what the players were voting it for. You've got Jack Iscaro as forward of the year, uh, Danny Tuzatala as back of the year, Jamma as glorious beast, which is was a award for best tackling, um, glorious boot for kicking was Tito, um, and then player of the year, Jamma, And I think you can see which players the the fans really enjoy watching on the field jack iscaro local kid you've got danny tusatala been here forever really recognizable hair the fans love him jamma is jamma captain um magnetic personality also been here since the beginning and then tito just excellent kicker
0: i i i love the glorious beast and um glorious boot i think that's hilarious uh, and I love those um, you can't go wrong I mean again you know, there's obvious reason why those players have appeared on, on both lists and I love again the new additions with those new honors there but yeah I gotta say old glory DC fans uh, nailed it uh, on that one it's always fun when you get let to get the fan you get the opportunity for the fans to vote on who they think their favorite player is and it's funny how a lot of those seem to line up because we're all kind of watching the same thing. Um, and again, just again, uh, a, a good way to, to kind of celebrate the season that was right. Again, harken back to beginning of the year, Old Glory DC coming off a three and thirteen season. A lot of folks outside of the know predicted Old Glory DC to be improved, but not challenged for the playoffs. You know, Old Glory DC proved that they are were a tough team. Made it to the playoffs. Won their first game in playoff franchise history got to the eastern conference final gave it their best had opportunities there to beat new england so again hats off to the team and the players on again what was an an awesome season but akp i mean look as we mentioned earlier you know busy weekend in rugby just because mlr season was over there's still rugby going on We've got the NPC down there in New Zealand, which is just starting up. That's seemingly a, a pipeline of players and coaches going back and forth, right? Any Have any Old Glory DC players gone down to New Zealand to play in the NPC?
1: Right now, I've only seen Kyle Stewart listed on an NPC roster. In the past, we've seen uh, Penny Lasanga, we've seen Danny Tusitala, Um, I'm trying to think who else. We've seen several of our players play. Uh, Willie Talataina has played down there as well. Although I think last year he decided not to play down there just because the MLR season is so brutally physical that he needed the time off to recover. So it always seems somewhat random which players make it onto the NPC rosters and which don't. Um I think a lot of personal choice comes into that as well, but it'll be cool for Kyle Stewart to get back down there and and keep playing. He's been a sort of fixture down there for years, and um you know it's always good when old glory players can get a get more minutes playing the game
0: cool yeah, well we hope Kyle gets some 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 playing time down there a k p any other players that are Scattered around the world playing rugby, some form or code or whatever.
1: Yeah, we've got uh, Junior Sal. He's back in England playing for the Kaylee Cougars um, Rugby League. So he's he's back to the the other less good code of of rugby. I'm
0: sure still running over guys and breaking through weak arm tackles. Um, good to see Junior still staying active, and I think you predicted that we might see Junior coming back to Old Glory, D.C. So we'll have to see. Yeah, um, But you know what? Hey, GP, I kind of want to move on here. We haven't touched too much on the Premier Rugby 7s, and I'm bringing them up now because the countdown to the end of their season, it's a short summer season, but the finals are actually in Washington, D.C., and they're going to be on August 6th. But before then... This weekend, you have the Eastern Conference Finals, Western Conference Finals played this last weekend. So the top four teams from the Eastern Conference Finals will move on to the finals here in Washington D.C. on Sunday, I believe, August sixth. AKP, I think I'm planning on going out there. You uh, planning on making the trip to to watch?
1: Yeah, I certainly intend to. Uh, it was so much fun last year. It rained last year. There was a big storm. <laughs> halfway through but it was it was still a lot of fun um rugby sevens is such a good one in person it's such a a fun tournament atmosphere you sort of pick at random which team you're supporting every time they run onto the field and it because it's each game is so short it's sort of back-to-back rugby
0: well, awesome yeah i plan on uh plan on making it out there so obviously I have to meet up and have a beer and then... Enjoy some ice-cold beer while we sit down in 95-degree hot heat humidity in Washington, D.C. in August, but that's okay. So, yeah, AKP, man, pretty short episode. I don't know. I felt like we covered a lot of ground here uh, on this episode. But, you know, again, this is my favorite part of the episode where I kick it over to you to give us your final thoughts.
1: So, final thought, you know, it's, it's always interesting when you get these these player honors and players voting and fans voting on who they think their best player is because there were a lot of players this year who really stepped up and really played well. And, you know, you just feel like giving them all some sort of award because they've all done... You can find something that each player has done better than anyone else on the team. But I I feel like it, it was a good list that got put together. And I'm excited to see most, hopefully all of them return for next year.
0: Yeah, it'll be exciting to see who comes back and of course we'll be tracking all of that in the off season and AKP a little preview for next week's episode, but me and you should come back with our list of our favorite moments from the twenty twenty three MLR season. What do you think? You think we can put that together for next week?
1: Yeah, let's do it. It'll be fun. We'll see. I'll be interested to see how much overlap we have.
0: I already know, I already mentioned one of my favorite moments in this episode, and I'm sure you know which one it is, so it's definitely going to make the list for next week. I'll just have to see where I put it <laughs> For Alistair Kirchpoor, I am Jonathan You can listen to the Glorious Rugby Podcast. We'll catch you in the next.